everyone, and welcome to the Tidewad Tech, episode 49, listener spotlight number 7, for June 2nd, 2011. This week we'll have our uh, seventh installment of our listener spotlight. You know, I don't think we ever thought we'd get seven of these. It was one of those things that right. um, we just thought we'd see what happened. But we have number seven here, and eight and nine already in the works, or uh, at least eight, eight. Eight is already scheduled, yes. Right, and it's kind of neat. So we actually do have, you know, eight listeners. That's yeah. pretty impressive. Yeah, with eight yeah, people up to eight without having to recycle. Who listen to the show? Um, <laughs> well, you know, they may have dropped off. We might only have three, but yeah, that's right. Yeah, some of the first few probably still aren't with us anymore. Right. So this week we welcome Seth Anderson. Say hello, Seth. Hello, Seth. Thank you. Good night, Gracie. Uh, <laughs> Seth has uh, been a listener to the show since before there was a show. Uh, yeah. Seth used to work here. He used to be Sean. The, yeah, he used I'm to be the, the beta. Sean. Yeah. I was Sean Beta. Uh, the better Beta? Beta Beta? beta. Um, so, yeah, Sean, uh, Seth used to work for me, and then he went and got another job making more money, and then Sean now works for me, who is probably soon to go get a job making more money, um, and then I yeah. never go anywhere. Yeah, Mark just stays here. Right. And- yeah, but you know. But if you if you go somewhere, I'm taking your salary. Just just that's what I'll just take your salary, <laughs> yes. and then I'll get a raise as you should. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'll you'll be earning it too. That's that's, that's true. For sure. So anyway, we don't have uh, a whole lot in the way of warm up this week because uh, we have a fairly busy uh, show. But I did want to talk about our 2011 spring sellout contest uh, that we're now going to call the spring and midsummer. So <laughs> sounds good. The original uh, plan was to uh, to run this through the month of May. Uh, this is uh, obviously coming out on June second, and as of the recording of this show, we have absolutely zero contestants. So apparently, I'm not very good at making up contests because <laughs> nobody cared to be a part of this one. Um, I like the idea. Yeah, yeah. you well, know, but. You're the only one, apparently. Yeah. Well, you know, maybe it's... Uh, maybe you know, the prize isn't good enough. The propensity to sit around and play Halo versus make blog posts. <laughs> propensity. There's a 75 yeah, cent word. Yeah. Very nice. That word is not tight waterproof. It's, it's the one I know. <laughs> <laughs> How many syllables? Propensity. Four syllables. Right. That's not bad. There you go. So anyway, uh, back to the... Uh, spring slash midsummer sellout contest um the idea here is uh that we have a uh um an mp3 player a dell dj diddy 512 meg uh mp3 player uh i think it if i remember correctly has a built-in fm radio too um and i'm going to give this away Plus a tightwad T-shirt of of our choosing, not of your choice, one of the cheap ones, um, <laughs> <laughs> to the the best um, review that somebody writes. So the idea is, you go someplace else out on the web, make it a YouTube video or a blog posting or a forum post or something like that. You go somewhere out on the web and you write a review of the tightwad tech, a specific show or um, <clears throat> a specific person. Just something about it. Make it entertaining. Make it funny. Make it um, uh, somewhat close to kind of being true. You know, truth is not really a big um, no, requirement no. of this one. You know, don't utterly. I think that might be what's tripping people up here. What? They're, they're too honest? <laughs> they're kind of like, oh, I'm going to write something. No, I can't really write that. Yeah, yeah, yeah you can. Yeah, you it's, can. yeah go right. ahead. It's okay. Um, I mean, you can be honest. That's fine. But that would probably be a really short review. So <laughs> if you're dishonest or shall we say creative. Yeah, um, I like creative. Yeah, creative. Yeah. You know, if you want Mark to- and Sean are so handsome that listening to their voices is is one thing. You know, that's one level of, of just, you know wonderful happiness but to watch them on video is is something entirely different one look at sean's hair cured my mom's cancer right it really long flowing locks yes (laughs) you know something like that just some things to go uh to to think about so anyway write something funny or witty and entertaining and then um come back to the forum we have a forum set up uh, on our website at thetightwadtech.com there's a, a thing there post a link to it with a short description say hey this is my um entry into the spring sellout contest we will then go and review it and the community can look at it and vote on it and then uh, after all the votes are counted sean and i'll pick the one we like best and uh, then that person wins the uh mp3 player and t-shirt 
So we're going to extend this on. It was supposed to end in May, uh, but uh, because our listeners are a bunch of slackers, we're going to extend it on through June and maybe July. I got to get rid of this thing at some point. So uh, I'm thinking Christmas well, it's time. It's not May 31st yet. So, That's true. That's you know, true. the tightwad does not do things ahead of time. <laughs> right. And, you know, it'd make a great Christmas gift. That's so, true. You know, and we can, I mean, I'm just copying and pasting this copy. It's not like there's a whole lot of work here involved in us saying this every week. So we're going to do it until you're sick of hearing us talk about it. There you go. And then we'll go. Say, so, hey, you may be the first one. Just go write a two-word review. It's not bad. Wait, that's three words. Uh, not bad. Write a two-word review, right. post it, and you may be the only one. So you could win by default. <laughs> So anyway, that's all there is about that. Um, I don't have anything else in in the the way of off topic warm up stuff. There will be plenty of off topic stuff as as we go on. We'll just tell you a little about uh, about our guest here, Seth Anderson, um, and I met in 1990. Yes, uh, wow. As, as a C- incoming freshman at the East Texas State University, we met at freshman orientation. Man, that so, was a long time ago. Yes. And I sneezed and he offered me an antihistamine. And that was how our relationship began. Um, rather bizarre, actually. You know, a strange man you don't know offers you drugs. You know, it could have been could have been anything. <laughs> right. You know? Yeah, especially in college. Right. You know, uh, actually, that's how I met Co as well. I gave him a box when it was over because he was in from from West Texas. Right. And uh, so, yeah, I guess, um, wow, I'm a drug dealer. You're a drug dealer. That's right. <laughs> So anyway, that we'll there'll be lots of stuff about that. We'll be talking about people you don't know, but that's okay because frankly we're here and enjoying it and we don't really care if you are or not. No, that's right. Okay. Uh but anyway, Seth has been a friend of mine for a long time. Um I actually gave him his first job in tech. Uh well in education tech. In, there we go. In ed tech. That's right cuz you had worked for uh Mac- desktop support and stuff yeah. for a while. Uh, so, yeah, anyway, so he, I got him into the uh, world of ed tech about four years ago, five years ago, something like that. This is my fourth year, so yeah. Okay. And uh, so he now has moved on, and, and we'll talk a little bit about that. But uh, uh, he's going to be our listener spotlight. And uh, also, uh, a little plug, shortly after the recording of this show, we'll be recording our next episode of our show, Everyday Linux. And Seth is going to be one of the new... Um, uh, what's the word? Co-hosts of that show. So if, I'm looking forward to that one. So if you think he's inter- interesting and entertaining, um, listen to that show and, and get more of it. If you don't think he's interesting, entertaining, I probably won't let him talk that much. So go ahead and listen to the show anyway. <laughs> or maybe I'll grow on them. <laughs> like a fungus. Yeah, yeah um, You're a fun guy. Um, so anyway, <laughs> Seth, tell us a little bit about wow. yourself. Wow. That was a good one. Uh, let's see. I am, I'm still in my late thirties, barely. Um, uh, I've been in edu- or I've been in technology for like ten years, and this is my fourth year in education technology. I'm currently the network administrator slash level three technician for the Greenville Independent School District, which is a four A school district in uh, the northeast texas area for those of you who uh aren't in texas and don't know what the a rating means uh 4a means their high school has a couple thousand students that's roughly the size of a a 4a yeah i think it's yeah i i looked up the numbers but i cannot remember what it's based off the high school size and so uh, a very large town might have four or five five a high schools fives as high as it goes um here where we work we're a 1a we're as small as you can get right um so anyway that's the difference he's a 4a and we're a 1a uh, so yeah. tell us a little bit about what you do there in as the slash network tech whatever you said well uh of course we run a windows domain architecture 2003 slash 2008 so i manage that group policies printers uh accounts as well as help desk tickets for when teachers computers break or anything else like that and then other projects has assigned by my boss okay and uh how many people are doing you said you're a level three tech so there's a level one and a level two tech below you there are a total of four technicians plus the department head, and then we also have an instructional technologist as well who is kind of in a different branch of the same department. Right. They're more in charge of training than actually upkeeping, right? Right. Okay. And uh, how did you find out, if this is a question, but I have to ask it, how did you find out about the Tightwad Tech? Well, uh I knew the tightwad tech when he was just the tightwad. And, uh, <laughs> so I've known about the show from the beginning and I was one of the first guys on the forum. 
I think. I yes. think you were the first. Actually. Yeah, I think all so. Right. I remember that he was. Yeah, so I was like, well, because I am all about the free. Like, I keep looking for a way to get a free computer, but um, I refuse to do uh, what were they e machines when they were free because those were garbage. But if you know of a way to get me a free computer, I'm all about that. So interesting. Not only does he want it to be free, but he's picky about his free. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Um. So I I um I like to spend as little amount of money. It's weird. Like if I had a friend who needed a computer, I might buy them one, but I would not buy myself one because they cost too much. <laughs> and so that's why I work in technology, supporting them all the time. <laughs> and so what uh, what kind of stuff do you do on a daily basis at your school? Well, um, we – sorry. Um, I spend a lot of my time managing printers as well as I'll go in and edit group policy and uh, do – like uh, help out with the help desk tickets. If somebody gets a virus, I'm the person who takes care of those because I used to work at McAfee for a few years and I enjoy, I, I used to sometimes let viruses loose on my system just to see what they did because I, I'm that kind of geek. So. Yeah. And if you, yeah, if you follow his Twitter or Facebook, anything like that, you'll see uh post to that effect that you're, you're digging into some new virus and uh, it takes a sick, sick man <laughs> to do that. Yeah. I, I hate, re- I would rather spend four hours figuring out what the virus did than 30 minutes to reinstall a backup image. <laughs> but, well, you know, because once you spend the four hours figuring out what it did, then you can fix the next one in five minutes. And so you're paid by the hour, basically? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's just a hobby of mine. Okay. Uh, you, you said you do a lot of printer management. Um, what kind of printers do you have there? Are they like work group lasers or do teachers have inkjets or how does that work? Yes. We have, uh, we have <laughs> our department machines or Xeroxes. Is that a word? Xeroxes. Um, and then, uh, we have, of course, there's some HP and then a lot of individual teachers have their own machines that, you know, I'll hook them up and set them up for them. But as far as managing them, I won't do, but it seems like every hallway has, uh, several network printers in addition to every building and every campus. Why do you think that is? Uh, why is printing such a big deal at your school? Well, one is they don't understand the value of having something electronically available anytime. You have to have it in hand and then having printing it out yourself and having the printer at your desk is seen as more of benefit to the teacher than having centralized printing that you can save resources and get. I try to tell people that. For the price of printing out one page on an inkjet printer, you can print out four, five, or six pages on a laser jet printer. But they're like, but then the laser jet's down the hall, and I have to print out secure things. And for confidentiality, I have to have it in my room. And that's a, I don't know, it's like here in Honey Grove, teachers understand, or at least they did when I was here, it was like, you know, if we get better printers, they don't break down as much, and we have access to better stuff. But this district is like, Everybody having their individual printer is like, I don't know, it's like a rite of passage. For so it's like teacher. a status symbol. Once you've reached a certain status, you get a printer. I think it is. That's your gold watch. It is. It's like, hey, I have a printer and you don't. So I'm the better teacher. So can other people print to the printer next door? Are they shared in that way? Some of them are. And then some teachers have their own. It just kind of depends. There are network printers in individual classrooms, but then a lot of them are like, uh, locally attached printers hmm. and there are there are a surprising number like i looked in the district and we have over 200 printers which i was flattered. and how many teachers do you have um a, a several hundred so it, it, we're not at a one-to-one printer so ratio. what thousand ish or 600 give me just rough estimate at the least 500 okay uh, so 500 teachers 200 printers but we probably have more than that i just i'm i don't remember the numbers okay I, I'm kind of curious if there's uh, any kind of push to kind of move in the direction where we're moving with uh, Google Docs and students submitting work through folders and not ever having to print anything out. Not that I'm aware of. I have suggested it to some. Before I was in Greenville, I was in a different school district. And whenever we switched to Google Docs, I would show some of the teachers how they could get in. And everybody could be involved on the same discussion and the teacher could monitor it. And the few teachers I showed 
thought it was an awesome thing. And then they would show other teachers how, how it could be beneficial. And so there was a grassroots thing beginning there, but I know where this was our first year to have a Moodle. And so some of the teachers got on board with that and had electronic stuff through there. But as far as it being a big district wide push that hasn't started yet, I'm hoping to encourage that, especially next year. I don't mean to just belabor the point, but printing is always one of those things I find fascinating. It's, it's an, uh, an archetype of a, a bygone era, in my opinion. You don't need to print anymore. Yeah, it's like having a typewriter. But it's that status thing, right? It, you, it re, uh, years ago, printers were expensive and rare, and it became a big deal to have a printer. Right. But now printers are cheap and readily available, but they still think it's a big deal to have a printer. Uh, our middle school principal taught us, uh, told me an interesting story last week. Um, our middle school students were uh, registering for high school classes. So they took them all into one of our labs, and they all had this form that they had to fill out. And the person doing it said, "Okay, now print out your forms, and then I'll take them back with me." And one of the students said, "We don't, we don't print." What do you mean? We don't. We're not allowed to print. Right. Um, we don't print at all. And and so the 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 secretary was like, "What do we do now?" I mean, I, I don't. We're I don't know what to do. And so one of the middle school students called the principal over and said, here's what we can do. We'll copy and paste this form that you have here. We'll put it in a Google Doc. We'll fill it out. Then we'll su- submit it to the teacher. And then she can send it on from there. And so he went, uh, the principal said, okay, say what you just said again, only out loud for everybody to hear. <laughs> and so this, you know, seventh grader solved the problem for them. And that's, that's an example of a different line of thinking. The, the 50 something t- uh, secretary who was in there, knew that you print and then you collate and then you file the the 13 year old in there said we don't need to print we uh replicate electronically and transmit that way and it, it's it's amazing that that um line of demarcation is as far down as it is even high school kids haven't gotten that yet yeah yeah we've really had to try to drive that home and they're just kind of getting it but really their hands been forced uh, right. Yeah, I've reason. mentioned it before, but here at our school, at our high school, the way we do it um, is the default printer on every machine is a PDF printer. It's not a physical printer. So when you click print, it sends a PDF to your home folder. Uh, we're we're the warriors, and so it's called W. So everything you print goes to W in a folder called printed documents. Um, and so if you really need to print something, if you're doing research or whatever, and you want something for your own reference, You've got it. And that's what almost all printing is for. It's for later reference. Right. Uh, personally, I think a bookmark is a more efficient way to do that, but that's fine. If you want to print your own PDF, you could do that. Uh, electrons are cheap. Um, and so uh, we do that. And then on the rare occasions that there actually has to be something printed, they transfer that data to a teacher who then prints it. Well, and this is this is actually one of the benefits of a one-to-one computing environment which you have here in this district and we don't have we've only begun to pilot one-to-one in a couple of areas so if you're in an environment where the students don't have access to a computer every period and you still have labs that you have to schedule i can see where printing is more it's it's necessitated a little bit more when you don't have a one-to-one so for anybody out there who's looking for ammunition for a one-to-one, you can save a ton of printing costs. That's true. But but what you've described, that's lab-level printing, not individual desk-level printing. Right. And also, often I find that the justification for one, and what you said is a true thing, that, that if you don't have access to a computer, you need to print, that justification is pushed all the way down to the teacher desktop. Right. And what you said, the secure documents, all right, let's, let's face it. A third to uh, an eighth of their documents might be considered secure. Uh, and what we've done is we have a printer in the, the high school office or the middle school office or the elementary office that's under lock and key, and they can print there. And then they have to go there and unlock it and get it. So that's how they handle their secure documents. And, you know, when we did that and they had to start walking down the hall, suddenly they decided not that many things were secured. Yeah, they didn't need them. Right. You could actually just print to that machine right outside your doorway in the hallway, which is a lot closer. Uh, that Then, it, you know, it's not so secure if I have to go all the way in there and use my key to get to it. <laughs> yeah, no, that is that is totally true. But 
and like I say, I just I just realized as you were talking, you have ingrained in you already a one to one mindset. That's true. Whereas, I don't even think about it. Yeah, and I was like thinking, you what you're saying makes so much sense. And I was like, oh wait a minute, it doesn't make sense for us because we don't have a one to one setup, which we're we're working towards. And like I say, we piloted that at one of our campuses, and then our STEM lab. We have a we have a STEM academy they got one-to-one netbooks well talk about that talk about your one-to-one initiative and and your experiences so far well we're using we're using um netbooks for our one-to-one setup and um i don't know i haven't been in the classrooms a lot to see it but we have a pretty locked down environment with things that we let the students do and don't do and so part of this year has been figured out how to allow the students to give them permission versus not giving them total control because that, that, you know, that's kind of a, you have to grow up with, um, with a knowledge of how to use things and, and teachers oversight as well as versus using tech support for classroom monitoring. And so hope, I think that has come a long way this year when the teachers have, um, we have, we're not using ITALC, we're using a paid solution to give the teachers the ability to monitor their students, um, what they're doing on their desktop. But, um, the ones that we have done, like I say, I haven't been involved in a lot of those feedbacks, but we use, um, we're using Windows 7 on those machines and we have Ghost, uh, set up as a solution and, what we'll do is whenever like one of our campuses is kind of like an alternative education campus. And so the students are only there for a limited time when they leave, we won't try to see what they've done. We'll just like re-image that machine. So it's ready for the next person to come. Um, but um, that's the site that uses Moodle a lot. And so it works really well. You're in a one-to-one environment. So the Moodle courses are focused on them. And then our credit recovery courses are also web-based and they're available for that. Uh, you on the desktops or the the netbooks. Are you using any sort of uh, like Deep Freeze or Centurion or anything like that on them? No, like I say, we um we're pretty locked down. Um, for example, like I know it's, it it seems like a weird thing, but right clicking has been disabled. Oh, you're one of those. Yeah, I have joked about that so it's, many times. No, you and me both. But uh, and I noticed one of the tickets that was turned in just today is the students cannot right click a file to. Edit. <laughs> So I don't know what the resolution of that is going to be. So can you alt click or is that disabled too? I, I have not tried that. Okay. But, um, but yeah, we're, we're that district that, uh, <laughs> which, but again, with the, a lot of that is training of the teachers to be involved in the classroom. And well, you know, the best, the best filter is the teacher in the classroom. Right. And that's something that has to be learned at, at, every district and coming from this district where it was ingrained to another district where they're just starting that process. Um, when I got there, of course the computers were really old and we're just recently uh, trying to upgrade those and get more computers in the hands of more students. So we're looking at how to best go forward in that situation. Uh, what, tell me what sort of maintenance you do on your computer. I'm always interested in that. You know, we do the, the re-imaging every summer and we, we physically blow the dust out of them. What do you do there? Well, um, we spent this last year doing projects. So the goal is to, uh, try to re-image them with our staff. I think every other summer or every third summer to go through and actually blow them out. And we're getting go set up to where we can push images out throughout the district. We have like gig connection between campuses. And once we get that up and going, that's our plan starting this summer because a lot of the machines haven't. Well, of course the new ones we got this year, they've only been going for a year, but some of the older machines that they, I don't know if they've been re-imaged in several years. I'm curious, having worked in, uh, in my environment where the teachers, where the teachers and the students are full admins, but have the, the, the deep freeze style software on them, um, versus your environment where they're not locked down, but they, they can't really do anything. Uh, what do you see as the, the pros and cons of each? Well, the con of our system in, um, where we're piloting one to one is if a student does something, we, every district has a couple of kids who are, 
probably as smart, if not smarter than some of the tech department, and they'll figure out some way to hack something. And whereas with the deep freeze or what we, what you use here, you reboot and it's done versus when they break something, then that's a, that's a, that's a, a computer out of commission for that student. And some of the students would actually go in and try to mess up their system on purpose so they wouldn't have to work. Uh, like, for example, this one kid had turned off his wireless. So say, see, it doesn't work. And he took it to the teacher and the teacher saw that, oh, he just turned off the wireless and turned it on. And the student was like, oh, man, now I have to work today. <laughs> so that's, um, you know, the con is there's more repair on the ones where it isn't deep freeze. But, you know, one of the the pros are, we do more computer management. So if we want to make a change, it's a lot easier to push a change out through Active Directory and group policy and then just reboot that machine and it picks up the policy and we've made that change versus um, unlocking it, making the change. Cause I don't, when I worked here, I would do that so many times. <laughs> That's true. I would take a computer out of the domain and reboot it and it was still in the domain, but the domain wouldn't recognize it. And that was a, uh, that was just something that was like, oh, man, I forgot to take it out of deep freeze. How many times have you done that, Sean? Right, yeah. right. Yeah, it, it's one of those things. And especially now, we don't do it that often. So uh, if you haven't done it in a few months and then you go and you do all these changes to a computer and then you forget that you didn't unlock the thing. And so you have right. to go back and do it all over again. But uh, but fog has really mitigated that. I mean, so much of, the, of what we do now, if we want to do some new software or whatever, well, we just make a snap in and push it out that way. But uh, even that. That requires, you know, unlocking first, right. then deploy the snap in, then lock them back down. So yeah, unlock, reboot, install, lock, reboot. Yeah, right. And so uh, it makes our jobs harder, but I think it makes the student's life better. That's that's my position on it. Right. I would rather um, work harder to make their life better than the other way around. I, I know uh, it, it galls me when. Um, um, administrators create policies or make decisions to make their lives easier. Right. Uh, as if the students and the staff work for them. That, that's not it. I mean, I work for my staff. I'm their servant. They are not right. my servants. That, okay. End of soapbox. <laughs> <laughs> so what else? Uh, what, uh, what are some tightwad approved sort of things you've been able to do there? Uh, I understand in a larger district, there's more ingrained uh, policies. There's more levels of bureaucracy you have to go through. Uh, have you been able to uh, uh, take some of your tightwad ethos and, and make it happen there in, in Greenville? Well, we, like I say, we have Moodle set up. So, I mean, that's very tightwad approved there. You have Sorry. a battery on that. Oh, yes. And it's pretty well charged. So. Sean's giant honking laptop can't even get through 20 minutes of a show. He's got to plug no, in. We've been up for a while. We've been up for about, what, 40 minutes or so? Yeah. That 17 yeah. inch screen on full brightness. Yeah, that's going to do it. With the quad core processor. <laughs> right. And my little baby here will last several hours. So. Um, but yeah, we have, we have Moodle set up and then, um, we're using Google Apps. Uh, we, we've just got that registered and this summer moving into next year, we're really looking to utilize that more. And again, since we have more computers in place now, that's a lot more of a viable option. And then I'm working on Spiceworks, getting it installed just to like monitor the network. Uh, some of the plugins in it are kind of cool. And, um, and one thing when a, when there's an addition, there's an issue with Adobe that has since been fixed and Windows 7 where the uh, permissions are locked down for certain users and it just did not work well. So I was able to recommend Foxit PDF viewer. And we found an MSI, and we were able to deploy that out. That's one I wanted to, you know, you had mentioned that because I had I had posted something and complaining about Adobe, and it's one of those things where you're just in the the old habit of, well, that's what we do all the time. Right. And uh, so when you mentioned that, I thought, yeah, you know what, we we need to think about looking at something like that, like doing something different. Um, uh, for Adobe Reader because uh, the updates are just outrageous. Well, it was really weird because they fixed the issue in 9X, and then when they came out with version 10, the issue was back. So whatever they, whatever Adobe did, they didn't modify the original code base in 10. And since we had already switched over to 10 as a district, rather than go back to 9, we used um, Foxit, which we have since discovered a couple of issues with Foxit 
and some of the programs we use are it's causing some issues. Right. Some of the really advanced like textbooks that are PDF based and have scripts built in, it can't handle. Right. And it would show up fine on the screen, but then when you went to print it, it would just print the outline and it wouldn't show the data. And we found out. So if any of you are listening and you're using Foxit and you're having the issue, if you print, if you use print from within the PDF toolbar of the Internet Explorer page or Firefox, it will print out fine. But if you use print from the uh, browser menu, it, it just prints like an outline or a blank page. Okay, that's a good tip. What else? Uh, we use VLC. Uh, I love me some VLC media player because it's just awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, Well, you know, um, there's issues with uh, Windows Media Player and DVDs as well as it just doesn't support near right. the standards yeah. that VLC does. We've moved on we, uh, to SM Player, which is uh, the same uh, back end as VLC, but it's got a prettier front end, and we find that the staff take to it more. It's prettier, and they like that. It's easier to work. Well, VLC is, is, you can tell it's designed by engineers. Right. Well, and this year, we've got that and uh, Media Player Classic. Media so Player we, Classic is a great one. Yeah, and we've got two of them, and it, it kills me. It just astounds me how many times that, uh, I'll get a call from a teacher about- He takes this I personally, can right, you tell? I can't play this DVD, and- we have we've put two things on your desktop <laughs> to, to handle this, and uh, so it, and they always blame the computer. This right. computer won't play a DVD. Yeah, my DVD's broken. Right, <laughs> and uh, so I, I guess I can hate on Windows there, you know, or, or Microsoft for uh, Windows Media Player because that thing is just horrible. And well, just so you know, an, that's not a Honey Grove thing. That's an everywhere thing. Right. We get that same call many times. <laughs> yeah. Why won't my computer play? One time I was able to say because that's only a CD player. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, even better. I but had a great one. Time. I, I won't go into specifics for fear of in, uh, embarrassing anybody, but uh, uh, this teacher called up and uh, said, um, when I put this CD in, uh, all, all the video I get is this little squiggly thing, and, and I hear the music. And I said, is it a, an audio CD? <laughs> oh. so they thought it was a multimedia something it was just an audio cd and they they, they, the movie wasn't playing there's not a movie to play we all have those moments though sure oh yeah Yeah. oh i don't know how many times i've done that why isn't this working oh because it's not made to do that okay I'll, i'll sell myself out i did one of those just yesterday i was out uh looking for some shoes for my daughter and uh, took uh, my son was with me, and we went to Taco Bell and grabbed a little bite to eat, and get back in the truck and pull out my BlackBerry. And say, you know, I'm looking for a Payless, so I'm sitting there in the truck, and you know, before we even start and you know start heading down the road, and I'm pulling it up and Payless, and okay, so I find a little listing for one. Oh, great, there's one on Main Street, right? You know, we're on Main Street, so okay. And uh, and my son's like, "Where's Main Street?" And I reach over my shoulder to point at it, and. And the, there's a payless. I mean, I mean, literally, it was next door to the Taco Bell. We could have walked there. We didn't even have to get in the truck. So, <laughs> yeah. And I told my son, I said, uh, "See, that's the stock you come from." So, <laughs> so you're looking for a technological solution, and sometimes right. you should just look over your shoulder. Right. Right. <laughs> yes, but why look over the shoulder when the computer can do it for you? <laughs> So are there anything else? Uh, uh, you mentioned the Moodle. Uh, what kind of training did you do on the Moodle? I, I found that that's one of the biggest things because Moodle is, is very much like a blank sheet of typing paper. Uh, we look at it and you think, well, what am I supposed to do with this? And the answer is anything you want. Uh, how do you get teachers over that initial uh, gap? Well, that would be a question for our instructional technologist because I set it up and I got it working and I made sure that stuff worked in it. But then that was pretty much as much as I used it. Our instructional technologist took over. She had went to some training somewhere by this really famous guy that y'all would probably know his name if I remembered it to tell you. <laughs> and, um, and so she w- and that she actually came back and said, are we using Moodle 2.0? And I was like, uh, nope, we're using 1.9 and we're, we're still on 1.9. We'll look at maybe upgrading to two. Yeah, 2.0, I think, is not ready for uh, prime time yet. And I've read several people who make that statement as well. But I was thinking of maybe setting them up because our our Moodle server is so overpowered that it could easily handle a VM running a second Moodle um, just to play with. Uh, What sort of virtual deployments do you do there since you mentioned that? 
Well, um, we're pretty much uh, straight Microsoft shop, so we use Hyper V. And uh, you have really sold out to the dark side. Uh, no, I mean, I'm, I'm in, so ashamed. That, I'm employed by the dark side. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you went from you went from here from Jedi Central, right? And then now yeah. you're you're working on the Death Star. Oh uh, yeah, but you know a Jedi's got to eat. So. <laughs> and as you can tell, I have to eat a lot. Um, but uh, so yeah, we um, we use Hyper V, which actually I was pleasantly surprised whenever I got in there into it and the management capabilities it has. Um, I think there's a much more feature rich solution if you're going to do VM. But, um, as far I was, like I say, I can change like hard drive size, memory, processing power. If I shut the VM down and bring it back up and I can remote into the machines from there as if I'm on the local console. So I was surprised at how good Hyper-V was considering Microsoft has only been using it for such a short period of time. I haven't looked at Microsoft's server implementation at all. I've, I've used a virtual PC on the, uh, on the desktop and it's, eh, you know, but it sounds like their server oper- offering is, is more than eh. Yeah. Um, you can, yeah, it's more than, eh. like I say, How, do, do you know anything about the cost of it? Hyper V is a free component of the server operating system now. Okay. But if you're, you would of course need a second server license for your Microsoft machine, but you're not paying extra for Hyper V. It's a role in 2008 server. Okay. I haven't, I haven't even looked at that. I'm kind of curious, Mark. You might know that. Uh, is there a difference in overhead there associated with that? Is it versus like, let's say, VMware? Uh, from the benchmarks I've read, uh, Hyper-V does have a higher bench, uh, higher overhead, uh, but it's you know it negligible. It's, it's one of those things you, it would take a machine to notice. Yeah, you know? uh, that the the latency in terms of human interaction is is not noticeable. From what I've read, I haven't used it. Yeah, I have found that depending on the processing power you allocate to that VM is more, and the memory you allocate to it has more to do with bottlenecking. Like I haven't noticed a a, a difference between you know a quad core processor VM and then a quad core processor bare metal. Okay. Yeah. So basically, as long as you set your VM to be beefy enough to do what you want it to do, then you're fine. Yeah. Like, um, we have four VMs running a whole lot and they're in a work group setup and they have like, I think 28 or 32 gigs of RAM each. And, um, so, you know, we have, we have plenty to spare. Do you know how many, um, processors how many uh yeah how many processors you can throw in a vm like on vmware server there's only two it, it doesn't matter if you've got 18 cores in your machine you can only put two of them in a vm i know you can at least do two i i haven't really looked to see what the beefiest thing i could create was okay just curious but yeah if, from what i everything i've read if you're going to pay for the the vm product you get more than the hyper v but Hyper-V, you probably get a little bit more than the free VM, is is just my layman's evaluation of the three. Uh, talk about Spiceworks. Obviously, we, we did a show on that. It's something we use. What has your experience been with it so far? Well, I I love like a lot of the functionality of Spiceworks. I'm having a little bit of issues with my uh, getting my network scan to complete and to show up everything. And since it's kind of an after-hours project, that's when I'm working on it is after hours. And, you know, I don't want to stay up there until 10 o'clock. It's just a few minutes here and a few minutes there. So I end up doing the same wrong steps many times. But, <laughs> but I think it's, I think it's pretty cool. Um, it's already helped me some just looking at my overall network from what it has seen. And I think I've, I've set up some stuff a little bit better. But are you using any, any of the other functionality that it has that help desk or any of the other stuff? No, we have a, we have a, whole suite of applications already that we use for help desk and uh, we're pretty pleased with that so how about uh performance Uh, for us it it was really singing when we first did the install and then uh oh not uh, several months back i don't know two three months back i upgraded it and it seemed to sing again but in between it bogs down it seems to bog down and I mean, we're tiny, so I, our database can't be that large, but uh, it seems to bog down over time. I'm curious if you see anything like that. I have not seen it yet, but like I say, I don't. It's not picking up my whole network yet. So once I get that going, um, then I would 
be better able to answer those questions. Do you run the individual firewalls on your desktops? Uh, no, we, we disable that. So that shouldn't be it. Um, I'm curious, what is your, uh, uh, how many students do you have? And well, you said about uh, two thousand users. Uh, how many uh, devices? What's your computer to student ratio, um, roughly? I like I say, we have. If you count up printers and and our access points, because we use managed access points, we have probably about two thousand devices all total. And um, as far as the actual. Like I say, I I could have told you how many users are in or how many students are in Greenville ISD, but man, I I have forgotten. It's just like my mind went blank. Make something up. We won't know the difference. Okay, let's say we have about five thousand students. Okay, yeah. So, uh, and how many? Ten to one, I guess would be <laughs> <laughs> maybe. So we'll, we'll uh, call it that. Clearly not a one to one. So you're still using the still using. It's the current model, but the, the way I say it, it's still using the old lab model where you've got one or two labs per campus and everybody goes to that. Yes, we do try to have at least a teacher machine or a student computer in every in every uh, classroom, and then we have labs set up. We have like several labs on each campus. Um, so it's, and so it's not quite as bad as, and then of course some of the classrooms, you know, like our multimedia, there's like, that's a classroom. So other classes can't come in there, but we do have some computer classrooms in addition to labs that are people can schedule. And then, you know, our library is set up has has another lab as I'm sure most districts are. Yeah. That's what libraries are now. They're a second place to put a lab. Yeah. Right. Nobody reads books anymore. Do they? Unfortunately, no. Okay. Anything else you got for us? Uh, hold on. My monitor went to sleep. It does that a lot. Um, no, that's pretty much how we use. Um, I personally, I love, I know y'all have y'all's favorite media players, but I love Starburn, which is to me, it takes the media player and it has the pretty of media like, burner, you media mean. burner. Yeah. I'm sorry. It has the, uh, it has the pretty of like a Nero. But it's it's one of those where there's the free version that does everything I've asked it to, and then you can pay for the paid version to do other stuff. But I've never used that one before. Um, is that what you put on your computers at the school? Uh, it's what I put on my personal one. We um, I don't know. We use um, I think we we have Nero because it came with the machines. Because you okay. know if you buy a burner, it comes with something. Uh, just off the top of your head, I, I know it won't be an exhaust, exhaustive list, but go through what would be on your default image for your students. Oh, uh, let me see. We have, of course, our antivirus software. We use Microsoft's corporate client called Forefront. Okay. And then um, we have Microsoft Office. Um, 2010, we, 2007? Uh, 2010 on all the newer machines. And then over the summer, we'll have 2010 on pretty much everything. Uh, we have VLC, we have media player, we have, uh, um, both Adobe and Foxit. Although, because of the issues I mentioned before, we're probably going to be getting rid of Foxit and going back to Adobe. Um, and then as far as the base image, I think, um, I think that's about it. Um, I know there's some other stuff, but I don't do a lot of the images, so I'm not the, I'm not yeah, the, you're more the backroom guy. I get yeah. That. Um, so you've got, uh, do you have any virtual servers, any domain? I mean, you, you mentioned you have some virtualization, but like any of your domain controllers or anything like that virtualized? We have a physical domain controller and we have a virtual domain controller. Um, and then a lot of our application servers are virtualized. We have four pretty good sized machines in terms of horsepower and we have 20 or so. 20 to 30 virtual machines running among those four and um, just doing various things, various applications. Like we have this program called fast forward um, and every campus has to have its own server. So they're virtualized uh, um, basically our application servers. I think our DNS and our DHCP are also running on our virtual servers. Okay. Anything. um, Wow. Never mind. That question just went out of my head. (laughs) I don't remember what it was. 
Well, that's an awkward pause. Yeah, so, uh, you know, <laughs> time to segue. <laughs> Maybe I'll think of it in a minute. Uh, typically, we have our tech tip of the week and our teacher tip of the week. And uh, when we were putting the show notes together, Seth had both of those for us. So uh, Sean and I don't have to do any work this week. Yay, Seth, what, Seth. What is your tech tip of the week? Oh, you've got two tech tips yeah, of the week. He's got two of each. He I mean, is he's... an overachiever. Yeah, he's well, like know, the number one listener spotlight ever. <laughs> well, Mark and Sean are friends of mine, so I wanted to. I wanted them to be able to take some time off. Um, my tech tip of the week, I know that um, running backups on tapes are kind of, I don't know how many people still do it, but I know it, industry favor seems to be moving in another direction. But if you do use tapes for backup and you ever have to get the labels for them, I was shocked at how much it costs to get labels. Um, and so I found a website that if you use Ultorium LTO backup libraries, this will print your labels for free. You can, you can, you can even set the number, like what your serial numbers of those will be. And then it will generate however many you want to print out. And uh, I checked this link last week and it still worked. Um, but so if you use backup tapes in a uh, tape drive of some type, you can go to this website and it will be in the show notes because it's kind of long. And you can print out your tape labels and you can save 35 to $40 a page on labels and you'll just be out the $1 a page for the Avery. And the other. <laughs> I'm sorry, that was just funny to me. Yeah. You know, so you'll save $34 for every page of labels you make with this uh, URL. And so I, I, I don't mean to be crass here. Uh, it's going to sound like this. I, honestly, it's been so long since I did anything with tape. And when I did, our labels consisted of a label maker gun. And I wrote what was on what explain this to me. Why would I want labels? What, what is okay. special about this? If you have a tape library, the <clears throat> computer can scan the barcode and identify what tape you're on. So, you know, the barcode will be something like C14872. And so if you look up and if you're going to recover something from a backup and you go to this file and you say it's on C14812, then you can find it in that tape library. And so it not only just makes the number that you can read, it will also print out the barcode that your tape library can read. Okay. So, and like I say, I was surprised at how much labels cost because we bought some blank labels and, or we bought some blank tapes and... Our, my director was like, okay, now we need to get some labels. And when I showed him the price, he was like, you're an open source free kind of guy. What can you come <laughs> up with? I'm not going to listen to you when you talk about Moodle or anything else, but yeah. when it comes to tape labels, we'll yeah. talk about that. So, yeah. So, you know, I saved the district just that day. I saved them like $70. Seriously, so. people, back up PC. Backup PC. That's all I got to say. Right. Yeah. And the second tech tip of the week I have is if you're like me and you're a recovery nut rather than a re-image kind of guy, Hiren's Boot CD, which if you're familiar with Ultimate Boot CD, this is like another version of that. I like it because it has like a Windows XP interface. You can go through and then you can access your file structure. And since most people in the computer world are familiar with Windows XP, you will be familiar with how to move around the contents of the CD. Whereas if you put in Ultimate Boot Disk, you got to like go up to the two dots to go back and then use the arrows a lot. And this is more point and click GUI. So I, uh, I have a, a version and I thought it was pretty cool. So I would just throw it out there as another alternative. I use both High Runs and Ultimate Boot CD. Slipped in the chat room says in big bold letters, not freeware. Uh, my understanding is that they, that he's pulled all the, the illegal stuff out and the current Current versions of Hiren's Boot CD are uh, all legal and and clean and nice and pretty, but yeah, and that hasn't always been the case. We, and when Mark and I were talking before the show, I had not, I had, I don't even remember how I came across Hiren's Boot CD, but I thought it was a pretty cool thing when I found it. And you're I a proud owner know. of the illegal version, then, is what um, you're saying? No, but I used to be. <laughs> <laughs> so no, I would not recommend anything illegal. Knowingly, <laughs> it has knowingly. Yeah, it has. Uh, it has freeware and it has some shareware things on it, uh, but it doesn't have anything. Uh, as I understand it, I'm not speaking for Hiren, but but my understanding is that it now has uh, everything on it is di redistributable legally. Uh, it doesn't have just totally ripped off stuff anymore. And there were websites on how to, like, you could add packages to it to make your own. And um, the link I found was 
it, I could never find the ISO for it. I only found originally the instructions on how to build your own. And then, so I went looking for the ISO and I found one somewhere and I don't remember where I found it, but it wasn't on his, cause he had, there's apparently a hirensbootcd.com website that I never thought to check. <laughs> I, I found his personal webpage and then I scoured the internet and found it somewhere else hosted. Um, and then, like a year later, I was looking, I came across hirensbootcd.com or whatever the URL is. And I was like, oh my gosh, I feel like such an idiot now. So uh, just, you know, again, the fact that it was all that difficult to find didn't set off any alarm bells in you at any point that maybe this is not the most up and up software. You know, you've ever set, tried to do something and then you get laser vision and everything else just goes away side and you're just like to, uh, I just kept looking for it and I thought it was just some obscure thing because like I say, I found his personal webpage. I thought it was just something he'd put out there. I did not know it was as popular as it was when I first came across it. So that's why. Uh, slipped in the tra- chat room also offers up Trinity rescue kit, which looks pretty interesting. I'm on the site and, uh, it's aimed, uh, at doing the same kind of stuff to windows machines. So, uh, but that's a new one. I hadn't seen that one before. Yeah, I've read, I came across that one before and it looked kind of interesting. I just, um, I'm never like bothered to download it and take it for a test drive. Right. But cause tie wads are lazy just yeah. in general. Sure. Well, I mean, if you already have something <laughs> that right. works, right? right. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's like, I like VLC, so I'm not going to try the other one y'all have <laughs> <laughs> because that's VLC is good for me. Um, but yeah, I'm, I find one thing and I tend to stick with it until it's, um, I like it was probably 2004 or 2005 before I would admit Windows XP was a good OS. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> Windows 2000 all the way. <laughs> you know, I've said so many times that the most powerful force in the universe in an, is inertia. And human inertia is no different. Yeah. Uh, once you get us moving, you can't stop us. And once we get stopped, you're not going to get us moving. Yeah, that's me. I find something that I like, and I like it. All right, Seth, what are your uh, teacher tips of the week? Well, I went back through the um, shows, and I did not find this, but TeacherTube, I don't know how many teachers are familiar with this, but it's much like YouTube, but it's a place for teachers to teach other teachers, rather than YouTube is throw whatever you want up there and hope people follow you. Whereas teacher tube is designed for the educator. Um, so there's like, there's like lessons on trig or there's lessons on algebra or classrooms, other things like that. So I recommend it to teachers. I know just has a way to find the best of YouTube without having to go through all the YouTube clutter. Yeah, I, I'd seen this one before and I think I might've seen it at TCEA and I was kind of surprised too, when you put it on there, I thought, Surely we've done that one. It's it, how many times have we said that too, right? right. We're like, oh, surely we've done that, but uh, we hadn't. So actually, it was a great. And uh, don't call me one. Shirley. Yeah. Shirley. <laughs> and um, yeah, the other one I put up here is called Scratch, and it is a program designed by MIT to kind of teach programming. It is a like pre-programming language. Uh, when I was in a different school district, I showed this to one teacher because she was like. All my kids ever do when they finish is play these stupid games. Can I give them something to do besides that? And I was like, have I got the thing for you? And I gave it to her and it was the audio visual. So, you know, the computer geeks of the school and it's this cat on a screen and you tell this cat to walk around, you tell it to turn, you tell it to do these things and the links you have kind of form a puzzle. And so you like you have a command that's in a puzzle piece shape and then you have to find another command that will fit into there and you make the string go down. So it's not really you like, it's not really a programming language like C plus plus, but it is a, um, it like teaches you to think in a programming linear fashion. What it's teaching you is logic, really. Not so much programming, but logic. Well, it sounds a lot like the Android app developer. Kind of has the little puzzle pieces that you put together to kind of build an app. And, uh, at least you can build the, the primary functionality of an app. And then, uh, uh, if you're a coder, you can get in behind the scenes and make it a little bit more elaborate. I'm kind of curious. Um, I guess it's really not, but are you familiar with Alice? I have, Alice Project. Alice and Logos is a logo is another right. one. It's a very similar sort of thing. Yeah, I actually I recommended Alice to uh, our instructional technologists along with Scratch, and there was two others I found, and I would have to go back and look up the names. But 
I just because we're looking to make a push for robotics at a um, like kindergarten through high school. The Greenville High School robotics team like did this really awesome in like national competition or something. So they're so, really good. I think I saw a billboard for that actually yeah. out there uh, on the highway. That's yeah. how you know you have a budget when you have billboards uh, for your uh, robotics class. Right. <laughs> yeah. And so I was thinking, you know, what do you want to teach a kindergartner? Well, how about teaching them logic and how to program rather than an actual language that may or may not be there in 10 years? And Scratch is produced by MIT, and there's like yearly competitions and stuff they host for it. So I thought it would be a great way for teachers, one, to control a class. Hey, you've got 30 minutes. You can't play that stupid flash animation game where you try to jump the guy around the levels. But if you want to do something here, make this cat walk across the screen and... And it, it took off. Um, I was surprised and she was surprised at how well the students took to it because it was, it was fun enough and it looked fun enough that the kids, I mean, yes, they're learning, but they were also playing. And that's, isn't that the best learning is something that the kids enjoy. There you go. And uh, Seth has added, um, not content with simply two of each two <laughs> tips of the week. Right. He had more. He wanted to add uh, the uh, end user tip of the week. I- I'm going to change that to the end user tip of this week because I don't think it'll continue uh, past this week, but uh, we'll see. So, Seth, what is your end user tip of this week? Well, if you're looking for a way to push open source and free software to people and you're like, and they're like, but I don't want to have to go through the process of installing all those programs, then check out nineite.com. You can go to that website and you can choose like OpenOffice. You can choose Firefox. You can get the Adobe plugin. You can get GIMP. You can get VLC, uh, Pigeon Media Client. And then you can select all these different programs that you want. And then at the very end, you create a button and it makes an installer that downloads to your machine. And the installer is not that big at all. And then you launch the installer and it will one by one download the latest version of all of these programs and install them on your. So you're not like thinking, is this the latest version of open office or do I have to go through the website and look for it? It automatically pulls the latest one down. All right, this is this is a first for me. I've never seen this before. Oh, really? You haven't? Yeah, it's a good is, one. Yeah, this is an amazing site. Yeah, just checkboxes for anything and everything you would want to uh, <laughs> install. I'm curious. Does that take care of all the little click through screens too? I mean, yes, yes, it does. Oh, um, and the thing wow. is, it is not legal to use in an office environment. They it's have free a paid for version. home use only. It's free right. for home use only. The one thing I do first. I will download, I usually keep the latest version of an antivirus software on a thumb drive, and I will install that beforehand just because an unpatched, uh, unsecured operating system won't last an hour right. on the World Wide Web before it's just, it's pwned by everything. Right. Uh, but so I will, I won't do the antivirus through here, but I'll do everything else. Like I'll put malware bytes, and I usually, if I'm doing this, I'll throw in SpyBot because it has some protection features that at least on xp machine are better than nothing so and as slipped in the chat room recommends run it periodically and it'll update all those things for you and just keep you up to date yeah and and the thing is you can save that executable that it generates so you don't have to go back and remember what 14 programs did i install just like here's the executable run it yeah run it again and it installs fresh uh fresh installations does that kill any of your settings or anything for I have not ran it as an update, so I cannot answer that question. Uh, it would be no different than just downloading the latest version of Firefox and run it. It'll do an okay. update. Okay, so yeah, it'll keep everything intact for right. you. I say that having never done it, I, well, and but I, guess, I said it with gusto and yeah. authority, and therefore I am to be believed. Yeah, and I guess that could be... Uh, uh, That's Mark at the time. <laughs> yeah. There you go. You've been waiting for that, haven't you? Uh, well, I figured I'd get one of you. Well, that, that seems like something that would be, uh, it could be specific to the individual programs anyway, so some programs are going to update different than others. So, All right. Thank you, Seth. That's that's been great. Uh, so that again, that was Seth Anderson uh, of the Greenville ISD. He's a, a tightwad listener number one and <laughs> tightwad listener spotlight number seven. Wait, we didn't do yeah, actually. We, we kept bugging him, right? Though. I had to ask him a couple of times to come on the show. Um, and so, if you want to be on our listener spotlight, if you're a listener and you want to be spotlighted, uh, or for anything else, if you just want to contact us uh, or find out more about us, go to www. the tightwadtech. 
dot com, uh, and that's uh, that's what we call our worldwide website. Uh, it's this new thing. Yes, uh, I think it might take off. Um, <clears throat> Make sure you have AV because. You'll get pwned, otherwise. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Not on our website. There's no Liza Moon hiding there just yet. Um, <laughs> so anyway, um, uh, that's our website where you can uh, contact us, where you can uh, uh, join the forums, log in there. You can join the chat room, and you can uh, heckle us like Slipt has been doing in the in the chat room today. He's he's the only one there with us at the moment. Uh, he's the the few, the proud. Uh, but. Uh, uh, you can also follow us on Twitter at uh, twitter.com slash the Taiwan tech or Facebook at facebook.com slash the Taiwan tech. Or if you want to leave us a voicemail, uh, give us a call at, uh, five, three, zero frugal two. That's uh, F R U G A L and the number two. And, uh, that will uh, leave us a message that we will hear. It will Google will transcribe it in a very entertaining way. Yes. Uh, and then send us a link to it, to our email. And we will put you on the next show. Most likely. Sure. I can't make any clean. blanket promises, right. <laughs> right? If you want to sell me Amway, I'm probably not going to put you on the show. Uh, well, I don't know. It depends. <laughs> depends on how hard up we get. Uh, but also, there's the contact button up there where you can send us an, an email, or uh, you can join us on our live stream. We uh, uh, try to record every Monday at 4 p.m. Central Time. Uh, so, uh, but you can also check the calendar there at uh, at uh, the website at detaiwadtag.com. There's a button that says Show Schedule. You can find out when we're recording and what we're recording and when we're releasing and you can join us there on the live stream and uh, listen live and join the chat room and and all sorts of hilarity will ensue. Sure. We ha- we have a great community. We do. All seven of them. It's yeah. been really yeah. great. <laughs> <laughs> all right, anything else guys before I say good night? No. Great show. All right. There's the magic words. Uh, so for now, uh, this is Mark signing off. And Sean signing off. And Seth signing off.